Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Make sure that you check out Walters' self-pour beer wool. Included on tap is Baby Shark IPA, Sunny Little Thing, Grapefruit Nectar, and more. Walk on over to Walters for Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Tip at 9 p.m. this Thursday night. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He said he didn't feel right. Some discomfort. So we're going to be ultra careful with him. We'll see what happens after the MRI. But right now, as I said all along, you know, we're going to be as careful as possible with him and, um, and try to do everything right for, for Steven and for this organization moving forward. And welcome to Nats Chat for Tuesday, June 14th, 2022, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Nationals Park. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, we are taping this installment of the Nats Chat podcast shortly before 1 a.m. on Tuesday. And if later this Tuesday someone comes up to you and asks, hey, how was the Nats Monday? Uh, you may need to sit that person down, put your arm around that person and say, hey, it's going to be okay, but Monday was not a good day. The Nats Monday included Steven Strasburg being headed back to being on an injured list. The Nats Monday included Juan Soto having to leave the Nats game due to having done something to a knee. The Nats Monday included the Nats scheduled starting pitcher for Monday night, Josiah Gray, ending up not pitching in the game due to the game being delayed by an hour and 33 minutes due to rain. And the Nats Monday ended up including the Nats giving up five home runs in a 9-5 loss to the Atlanta Braves, who now have won 12 consecutive games. Mark, some days are better than others. Uh, The Nats Monday does not go down as one of their better days this season. No, and I know we've talked about since that glorious night in October in 2019 about all the bad things that have happened to this franchise since then. I could make the case here that June 13th, 2022 is on a short list of the worst days they've had since then. It's not as bad as trade deadline day last year and a couple others, uh, certainly last July, which was just a disaster uh, all the way through. But this one is up there, given who was involved what was going on, and there are no positives to take out of this day, I don't think. And the negatives could end up being fairly significant. We'll we'll see. We don't really know about any of them yet, but it's really not a good day. And and <laughs> this is at just at the start of what's already going to be a difficult week, as everybody knows. So it's like as bad as it is on its own, 
this is just the beginning and the timing of this to all happen on this first day of this week could not have been worse. Yeah, I mean, at least what happened at the trade deadline last year offered some hope and it felt like, okay, we're turning a page. It was not a happy situation, but Monday was pretty bad. You know, like it's hard to find any silver linings in what happened on Monday. So before we get to the biggest item, which is Steven Strasburg, just real quick. So Juan Soto on Monday night, he ends up leaving the game. He gets pinch hit for in the bottom of the ninth inning by A. Ray Adrianza. And Davey Martinez told you guys during his postgame press conference that Soto did something to a knee in the dugout. Uh, What do we know? So in the top of the ninth, as he's in right field, props to the Masson crew for spotting this, you could see he was fidgeting around. He was testing his right leg. You could tell something didn't feel right. And my first thought was, oh, he must have done something. He must have tweaked it fielding a a ground ball single that came his way because that was the first that we had noticed it. And as the rest of the inning plays out, he's favoring it. He was very cautious coming back in to the dugout. And then in the bottom of the ninth, and you know, not that the game was totally on the line, but he had a chance to extend the inning, keep the game going and bring the other guys up. He did not come up to pinch hit. And so the thought was, oh, he must have something in the field. Then we find out, no, it was the prior inning in the bottom of the eighth he slipped and banged his knee on the corner of the bench in the dugout and did it pretty bad. He slipped and smacked his knee on the corner of the bench. He got pretty sore. He said he could go back out to play the field, and he did, but you could see he wasn't 100%. And so at the end of all that, they said, we're not taking any chances. We're not going to let you hit. Now, they'll evaluate him on Tuesday. They'll see. I don't think they really know a whole lot. I don't think they're super concerned about it. I don't think he you know, sprained something. This isn't like a landed on it awkwardly. He just banged it up pretty good on a wooden bench because his foot slipped on, I guess, what was a wet dugout floor. But I mean, talk about adding insult to injury at the end of a long day. That's the last thing they needed to have happen. Yeah, no doubt, especially in the latter innings of a, not a blowout loss, but, you know, a loss in which he gave up nine runs. I'm a little surprised they sent him back out there into the field as they did. Well, nothing was more significant from the Nats Monday than this Steven Strasburg news. And um, boy, I don't know if you could have scripted Monday much worse in terms of uh, where we are now with Steven Strasburg. So Davey Martinez on Monday afternoon during his pregame press conference revealed that Strasburg is headed back to being on an injured list due to having felt discomfort off his bullpen session on Saturday. So, you know, you take a step back. One major league start, one start for Strasburg, and he's hurt again. I, I mean, I you know, I, it's, it's amazing that we're saying this, but of course, on the other hand, it's not amazing. It's not even really that surprising. He pitched on Thursday night that 7-4 loss at the Miami Marlins, his 2022 major league debut, his first major league game since June 1st, 2021. Gave up the seven runs in four and two-thirds innings, but he said after the game he felt fine. We all knew, okay, what's going to matter is how he feels in the ensuing days. Well, Friday, Saturday seemed to feel all right. Throws the bullpen on Saturday, feels discomfort, and now he's headed back to an injured list. So I guess first this, you know, I've read and heard discomfort. Where? Do we know where the discomfort is being felt? Um, It was not specifically outlined except to say that he didn't feel right in his bullpen session as he was throwing. And there's at least some reason to believe that it's connected to and similar to whatever he felt prior to learning he needed the thoracic outlet surgery. So I don't believe that we're talking about 
him suffering some kind of new injury to a new part of his body or his arm. I believe that this is still probably somewhere around the shoulder, the neck, armpit, that area that he was dealing with last year. Now, we will find out more. He got an MRI. We thought we might get results of that MRI at the end of the night. Davey, when asked about it, said, You know what? I'll, we'll, we'll talk about Steven tomorrow. If that's okay. Uh, and I'll know uh, a lot more tomorrow about Steven. I was kind of reading between the lines as if Davey was saying like, hey, I know something, but there's too much else going on right now. I don't want to throw that on top of it all. Read into that however you like, good or bad, I would you know, assume not great. So we'll know more on, on Tuesday. But I, you know, I think what it amounts to is this. And let's run through a few things here. After the game on Thursday in Miami, he legitimately felt good physically. That was not a lie what he was telling us. It was, it was genuine. And then he throws off the bullpen mount Saturday, the standard thing, and said he didn't feel well. Now, he didn't tell them, I think, until the following day, Sunday. And then that's when they decided they had to make these adjustments. So something happened in between, something about the recovery from the start, throwing off the mound, didn't feel right to him. He reported it. And so they're going to look into it. I would imagine, given the history here, they're not just going to rush him back. They're going to shut him down, even if the MRI didn't show a whole lot. And we're going to start this process all over again. And it just reminds you that Throughout this whole thing, even if there were encouraging signs, even if he felt good after that start on Thursday, we said from the beginning, until he's actually pitching every fifth day in the big leagues and coming back and pitching again three, four times in a row, you just in the back of your mind always knew that there was a chance that something could go wrong. And unfortunately, that's what's happened here. You know, I don't know what would be worse if this is an aggravation of what he's coming back from or if this is something new because, I mean, neither would be good. But, you know, one of the things that I think is overlooked with him is, okay, he's coming back from something very serious, this thoracic outlet syndrome. But, of course, he has this substantial injury history already. We don't know what else is going to pop up. He's an older pitcher now. He's got a lot of wear and tear on his body. Like, it's not a linear thing where you suffer one injury and you come back from that. And then, you know, that's all you have to worry about. Like, no, you're constantly worrying about other things. So, we don't know what something like this is, it is just maddening as a fan of the team. I'm sure it's maddening for him, obviously, that he makes one start and we're right back to this. Like one start and we're hitting reset on his season. I mean, you know, I know Davey back in March said he wanted Strasburg to make 20 to 25 starts this season. That's not happening, Pally, okay? You're going to be lucky if he makes 10. You might be lucky if he makes five. I mean, he may be done for the season for all we know at this point. And of course, then that opens up the discussion of, the long term here of like, well, okay, the last two seasons have been lost seasons. This season right now is trending toward being a lost season. So three consecutive lost seasons off signing the big contract in December 2019. Like, where is his head? Are we going to do this again next year and build him back up? And then he starts a game and he goes back to being on an injured list. Like, you know, and look, we don't, nobody has answers to these questions right now, but all of these things have got to be running through your mind as a Nats fan. If you're Mike Rizzo, if you're Davey Martinez, all of these things have got to be in your mind right now. Of course, they have to be. But honestly, I would say, at least for me, they were in my mind last July when the news came out that he needed the surgery. And I said to you and said it many times along the way, you hope for the best here that he comes back and is an effective big league pitcher, but you can't count on that at this point because of everything else he had been through and because of this particular surgery. And you know, the most common example we've referred to in the past, a similar example is Matt Harvey. And think about his career. He dealt with all kinds of stuff like Strasburg early on. 
ultimately wound up with thoracic outlet syndrome and his career was never the same. Now he's still kind of pitching on and off and he's had, you know, some big league starts, but he has not been effective in quite a long time. I don't know that's where Steven Strasburg is headed. You know, I don't think anybody knows that. But the moment they said thoracic outlet surgery for him last summer, I'm thinking to myself, we can't count on anything from him again. If he comes back, that's great. But if you're the Nationals, you cannot build this team with the understanding that Steven Strasburg is going to be leading your rotation. And unfortunately, that may be where we're at now. Now, maybe, maybe this is fine. Maybe it isn't a big deal. But again, they're going to shut him down for some length of time and bring him back slowly. They're not just going to put him back out on the mound in 10 days or anything like that. So it severely hampers whatever he might be able to still do this year. But he's got four more years on the contract beyond this. So unless there is something going on here that acute that he or doctors can say to him, it's just never going to get better, he's going to try to come back from this. Whether it's later this year, whether it's next year, whatever it is, he's got enough incentive to try to make it back from this and ultimately be a big league pitcher again. Yeah. Matt Harvey, for those who don't know, is pitching for the AAA Norfolk Tides this season, the Orioles AAA affiliate. Now, Harvey has had some other problems too, but you know he did not have a mega money contract tying him to the Mets. Harvey has bounced around the majors, and like I said, he's now pitching in the minors. What's unique about this, obviously, is that all of Strasburg's most recent major health problems start like right from the get-go of this contract, and so you have him here I do wonder if he's not going to end up like retiring, let's say, do you just make him a reliever and just say his body is such now to where he can't be throwing five, six innings at a time. He can't be throwing 70, 80, 90 pitches. It's just got to be one inning at a time. Try to reestablish himself as a pitcher that way. And then maybe eventually down the line, you could try to have him as a starter. But like, you know, I know that you can't just give up, right? But at the same time, you've got to be a realistic. And this just feels like such a bucket of cold water. I mean, I can't get over this. One start, not two, not three, not five, not a month, not two months. One start, and he's back to going on an injured list. Like, realistically, what is possible here? Well, and I think what's also particularly frustrating, this one compared to some in the past, if you think about how these things have gone for him over the recent years, either he wouldn't have gotten to that point to make the start, or he would have made a start and then would have come back and in his next start would have been shaking his arm around and come out in the second inning. Like there would have been something obvious that we all saw that was wrong with him and they go and diagnose it as opposed to the results weren't good Thursday, but he insisted that he felt good physically and we're thinking, okay, here we go. And then two days later in a bullpen session, something goes wrong. That's the part that I think is hard for all of us to wrap our mind around because that is different from what we've seen from him in the past. Usually it's happened on the mound in a game and we've actually seen whatever it was that was troubling him. So where do you go from here? I don't know, except to say, based on whatever the MRI tells them, they'll come up with a plan and it's either a plan that's going to allow him to potentially start ramping up again within a matter of weeks or it's something that they're going to have to shut him down for even longer than that. It just it feels like we're right back at square one. And I think that's the, you know, the annoying part. Because again, even if it isn't a big deal, even if the MRI doesn't show anything structurally wrong with him, they're going to have to take their time. We're going to go through this whole thing. Well, he's thrown on flat ground. Okay. Now he's ready to go long toss. Well, now he's ready to go throw in the bullpen. Okay. Well, now he's going to go face live hitters. We've been through this so many times with him and it's frustrating to everybody, first and foremost, him. If anybody out there thinks that this isn't driving Steven Strasburg crazy, that he isn't really hurt by all this and doesn't care about what's happened to his career, of course 
he does. This has been agonizing for him. He never wanted any of this to happen, but it does feel like we're kind of right back at square one again, at least until we know something else. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it almost doesn't matter what the MRI shows. Like, of course, it's significant what the MRI shows, but in a lot of ways, it's like whatever, whether it shows something grand or nothing, he's back to square one, you know, either way. And like we discussed off his first start, his velocity was way down. You know, I checked on this today. His average four-seam fastball velocity for that game per Sports Info Solutions was 90.2 miles per hour. That is a frightening number, man. And it's one game, but... You know, even if he's healthy, what, he's going to go out there and throw 90? What, what is that going to do? Like, is he going to really be effective doing that? So it's like there's the the hurdle of staying healthy, and then there's the hurdle of, well, can he pitch well? And that's still up in the air. Those are two massive mountains that you've got to climb if this uh, comeback is going to end up being what everyone wants it to be. So we'll see. We hope for the best with Steven Strasburg, but it is impossible right now to feel like the best is what is going to end up happening. <music> Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. It feels like everything is going up these days, including home prices. And so there's no better time to have the look of your home go up and the value of your home go up with new windows from Window Nation. Get two free windows with every two windows that you buy, plus pay nothing for two full years. Take advantage of this offer. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Window Nation windows are the best. The average Window Nation installer has over 16 years of experience with over 20,000 windows installed. Window Nation offers 1,500 custom window combinations, including vinyl, wood, and fiberglass. Window Nation is the best. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and make sure that you ask for the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi. Two free windows for every two windows that you buy, plus pay nothing for two full years. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. That's 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Treat the whole family to a fun night of baseball with the Bethesda Big Train at Shirley Povich Field. Big Train Baseball is the perfect mix of small town charm and big league talent right here in Bethesda's Cabin John Regional Park. Visit BigTrain.org forward slash tickets to reserve your seats for tonight's game and all other home games throughout July. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. 
That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Michael Franco, the third baseman, batting eighth and batting ninth at shortstop, Luis Garcia. And on the mound, making the spot start is 32-year-old Erasmo Ramirez. It'll be his 93rd start in the major leagues first since 2018. We have this game on Monday night uh, for the Nationals, and they end up getting smashed here by the Braves at Nationals Park. And the story of the Nats starting pitching in this game ended up being a story in and of itself. So Josiah Gray was supposed to be the Nats starting pitcher. Start of the game gets delayed for an hour, 33 minutes due to rain. Gray had already warmed up for the game, and so his scheduled start was postponed. And so Erasmo Ramirez ended up being the Nats starting pitcher as uh, the Nats essentially went with a bullpen game for a second consecutive game. And, you know, Erasmo got thrown into a very tough circumstance and, you know, not stunningly, uh, he got shredded in this game. Six runs in three innings. He gave up six hits, three homers and three singles, issued two walks and a hit by pitch. Uh, Like I said, ended up being a bullpen game for the Nats. He had four relievers come into the game. They combined to allow three runs in six innings. With Josiah Gray, did the Nats misplay this in having him warm up, or was this really just an unfortunate occurrence with the rain and there's really nothing realistically the Nats could have done differently? So I got to tell you, I was down on the field at, at 630 to be on the pregame show. And I looked up and it's like, oh, there's some dark clouds coming in. I wonder where that came from. It was not on anybody's radar, literally or figuratively. And there were a couple of drops, but I even went and checked on my weather app, the radar, and nothing was showing up. So that's about the point that you start getting a, a starter warm. It takes about 25 minutes or so to get ready. Both he and Ian Anderson of the Braves did the same thing. And it only really started raining, I don't know, about 6.55 or so. And then by seven o'clock, it was starting to come down a little harder and they pulled the tarp out. And so now you got to shut everything down at that point. So both starters were fully warm. I don't know that they could have done anything differently unless they somehow had a magic eight ball that at 6.30 told them, no, you know what? This game isn't going to start on time. We're going to hold off. Nobody go warm up. I mean, I've seen that happen where they have announced the delay of a game even before it started raining because they could clearly tell it was on the way. There was no visual evidence that this was going to happen. And even as it started to rain, the thought was, well, it may only be a few minutes. This may not last long. Next thing you know, the skies open up and it rained for a good like 45 minutes to an hour. If it's a shorter delay, they probably are okay with bringing him back out there as it kept going. It was a long one. Now, the Braves were willing to do it with Ian Anderson. It worked out fine for him. But Davey felt like in this case with a young guy like Josiah, who he said he threw 37 warm-up pitches in the bullpen, he was fully hot. This isn't something he's had to deal with before. They just didn't want to take the chance. And so, they they shut it down. But I mean, you you make that decision. You're making it for his well-being, but you're also doing that at the expense of your team and your pitching staff at a time when they really couldn't afford it. Even if nothing else happens weather-wise, they needed Josiah Gray to go like six innings in this game, given the state of the pitching staff in general heading into this week and with a a fill-in starter coming on Tuesday. So, I mean, it was the last thing they ever wanted to have to do is to scratch their starter because there's a major domino effect of all this that's going to hamper them for the rest of the week. Yeah, and the double whammy is that Gray is not starting on Tuesday night. 
I think what I kind of thought, and I'm guessing what a lot of people listening thought was, all right, Gray's not pitching Monday night, but he'll just pitch Tuesday night. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Jackson Tetro will be starting for the Nats on Tuesday night. Who, what? Yes, Jackson Tetro. Uh, the Nats took him in the seventh round of the 2017 draft. This is his age 26 season, 12 starts for AAA Rochester this season, ERA of 419. So here we are again, you know, with an Evan Lee type coming up, and we'll see how Jackson Tetro does. Oh, by the way, Jackson, uh, your major league debut going to come against the Atlanta Braves who have won 12 consecutive games. So good luck uh, with that one, man. I mean, you know, when it rains, it pours, right? No pun intended. But like, I mean, right now with this Nats pitching situation, it's brutal. And as you've been saying, this week is a minefield in terms of this series against Atlanta, which is surging. Then you have the five games in four days against Philadelphia, including the doubleheader on Friday. I mean, none of this uh, is ideal right now. So we'll see what ends up happening. But who knows? I mean, the bullpen got worked a lot. You end up pitching five relievers in this game on Monday night. I guess maybe some roster moves are coming to help out the bullpen in the coming days. Yeah, I think there'll probably be more moves coming where they're going to need some other fresh arms because you can't count on a guy making his major league debut against a good lineup like that, how far he's going to go in this one. So I think you will see some other moves, some other relievers who might be available brought up. And this may be a day-to-day thing where they're sending guys down every day or two and then bringing in, you know, cycling in somebody else who's available because they just got to get through this. I mean, think about the circumstances that led to all this. It begins with having used Paolo Espino and Evan Lee on Sunday in the tandem start. So that knocks them both out for Monday. You scratch Josiah Gray. And so now you got to cobble your way through this game with Erasmo Ramirez starting. You don't have Steven Strasburg on Tuesday. The other more appealing options at AAA, none of them were available because the timing was off for that. Cade Cavalli, Cole Henry, even Joanna Adone, who's already on the 40 man. I mean, you say what you want about how he's performed when he was up here, but at least he has some big league experience and on the 40 man roster, he just threw on Sunday. None of these guys were on the right schedule. And so with due respect to Jackson Tetro, who you know, may or may not have been the right choice. He was kind of the only choice because he was on schedule. Tuesday was his day to start anyways for Rochester. So that's why he's getting the call. But all those things had to happen for them to get to this point. And this is all just to get him through Tuesday's game. After that, they got to figure out where else they're going. It sounds like Josiah Gray will start another game here in a few days, Wednesday, Thursday. I don't know for sure. You've still got the doubleheader to contend with which we thought would probably be Espino and Lee each starting one of those games. They've got a lot of stuff to figure out here. It's not a good situation. And this whole week could spiral out of control in a hurry for them, and it could get pretty ugly. Yeah. Thank you for the condensed schedule, MOB, uh, off the lockout. You know, the owners wanted their money. That's the thing. The doubleheader is because of that. And I think the Thursday game, I think it was a three-game series originally. I think Thursday would have been an off day. So these are actually two makeup games from the lockout. That's a great point. The owners wanted their money. I don't know where the players stood on this because the players make more money if more games get played. But if the MLBPA didn't want the condensed schedule, they did a poor job of battling that because we have this condensed schedule. We're playing the 162 and 
you know, if just if you're a Nats fan, I mean, look at their schedule this season. You've had very few off days. You have this absurd stretch of five games in four days against Philadelphia. I mean, a five-game series? Like, what is that? When do you ever see something like that? But, you know, you got to cram in the 162. And so you're, go- you're going to have circumstances like this, especially for a pitching-starved team like the Nats. Even in a normal season with a normal schedule, you're going to have problems because they don't have, like, any organizational pitching depth. This season, with this schedule... I mean, good luck. This week is going to be treacherous for this team. Go back to late February, early March, and the whole thing about this is the drop-dead deadline for us to play 162 games and start the season on time. And then, well, no, actually, it's not. Okay, we can we can fudge that. We can wait a few more days, and we'll still cram the 162 in. That's the difference right here. We're now seeing the result of that. If they just stuck to that deadline and made the deal like they probably could have, Opening days on time, you don't lose that week of games to have to find another place to cram them in. And so because of that, those couple of extra days that they waited it out each other, playing a game of chicken against each other, this is a the situation they're in now. And a game of chicken over issues that like so few people care about. These weren't monumental things that were being negotiated between the two sides. They were talking about things like the international draft. Like, okay, do whatever you want. You know, just get a deal done and start the season on time. And of course, They did not do that. Well, it's been a very downtrodden episode of the Nat Chat Podcast. We will leave you with some positives. The boys did battle to at least some extent uh, late night on Monday night. The Nats threw three innings, were down 6 nothing. did cut the deficit to 6-4. Nats finished the game with the five runs, 10 hits, five walks, three for nine with runners in scoring position. Uh, Lane Thomas had another good game on Monday night, two for four, solo homer, RBI single, and a walk. Nelson Cruz had another good game on Monday night, two for five with a double and an RBI single. Uh, Yadiel Hernandez had a good game on Monday night, RBI single and another single. He's actually been quite good for the Nats this season with runners in scoring position. And Luis Garcia on Monday night uh, had himself a double, a leadoff double in a three-run fifth on an 0-2 pitch. So, hey, we did have those things, but uh, they were not enough good things to override the many negative things for the Nats on Monday. Well, and I just can't help but keep going back to because this has happened a few times this year. When the starter gets lit up like that and digs him into a hole, it's almost like nothing else seems to really matter after that because it's too big of a mountain to climb. When if he just keeps it at, you know, three nothing instead of six nothing, it's a whole different ball game. And all these positives that come out of it, like you give him some credit for it. But I've got to believe deep down, it's really demoralizing for the players in the lineup. When your team is down 6 nothing that early on a piecemeal pitching day again, and now you got to summon it up to try to mount a comeback. So I feel like part of the reason that they haven't been real good at coming from behind at all this year is because they're digging themselves into such these big holes early on because of ineffective starting pitching. Like I can understand why emotionally it's tough to get yourself to try to fight back. You just almost concede it. Now, to their credit, they had chances. They had the tying run at the plate a few times and you know, good on them for doing that. And, you know, there are guys having a good stretch here offensively, but it just becomes totally overshadowed when your pitching is as bad as this team's pitching has been. And I mean, what you had on Monday night, this perfect storm of a Braves team that had won 11 straight and you have to have a Rosmo Ramirez as your emergency starter. Like, uh, you know, we shouldn't be stunned at what uh, the final result ended up being. Well, keep the faith. Stay strong. We shall overcome. Uh, Monday was not a good day for the Nats. Uh, 
that can only mean that Tuesday should be better, right? We certainly hope so. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the Nats Chat Podcast, email Tim Shover's NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. You can get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt by going to NatsChatPodcast.com. Dot square dot site. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi, and we'll talk to you next time, which hopefully will be a happier time on the Nats Chat Podcast. Let me refresh your memory. June 14th, 1987. Mets, Phillies, you made a big error, cost the Mets the game. Then you're coming up the parking lot ramp. You said, nice game, pretty boy. Ah, you remember. And then you spit on us. Hey, I didn't spit at you. Oh, yeah, right. No, no, no. Well, then, then who was it? Well, look, the way I remember it, I was walking up the ramp. I was upset about the game. That's when you called me pretty boy. Okay. That ticked me off. I was starting to turn around to say something. And as I turned around, I saw Roger McDowell behind the bushes over by that gravelly road. <laughs> <laughs>